Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna. Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm your host, Joanna, and welcome back to another episode on Work in Progress, our personal productivity podcast. So on today's topic, we're going to talk about time management. And we live in such a fast-paced world where we're trying to balance doing all these different things and sometimes being both efficient and effective while trying to get all these different tasks done can be a struggle. So today I'll be joined by Dr. Sarah Reif-Hecking to chat about some strategies for maximizing our time management and subsequently our productivity as well. So Sarah is the founder of True Focus Coaching. She's a speaker, coach and productivity and time matters expert with over 20 years of experience empowering entrepreneurs, small business owners, professionals and executives to manage their time and reach their goals. Hi, Sarah. It's so lovely to have you here with us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here. Um, Firstly, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to introduce yourself with a bit more about who you are and what it is you do. Sure. So I empower entrepreneurs and professionals to get a grip on their time so they can get to the next level in their lives and their businesses. Um, And I love working with a smart time challenge people that want to get more into their workday so that they can really build their businesses, increase their profits, and also get it done during the workday so that they can do all of those other things that they want to do outside of life. So I really like to talk about the whole life, even though we often focus on the business day first. Yeah, for sure. So just like focusing on a work-life balance, do you think that's what's really important? Yeah. So my clients come to me really wanting to create that work-life blend that works for them. Um, I don't use the word balance because I don't think it's ever even. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Right. I think it's always a blend. And I think particularly now when so many folks are working from home um, or working remotely in many, many different settings, that we really have to talk about what is the blend that you want. Um, how How much work do you want to be doing in your day? How much other stuff do you want to be doing in your day? And are you clear about what those things are and what's really going to fuel you to feel like you have your best life? Yeah, for sure. So in terms of this blend, do you think it's okay if people want to have more focus on work and less focus on a personal life or more focus on their personal life and less on work? So do you think that blend is totally customized to the individual? I absolutely do. And I've seen it play out in so many different ways uh, with my clients, with my colleagues, with my friends, family members. I'm sure you see it too, Joanna. Um, And it's really, um, you know, it's, it's really important to ask yourself. And I do this when I work more closely with people, get re- help people get really clear on what is the blend that fuels them. Some of us really have a super high drive for work. And we, we gain energy from working long hours and we love what we get to do during the day. Um, and then there's others that, you know, they they have less energy for that sort of activity um, or they just have so many other things they want to do outside of work. So they want to keep work contained in the box because they have lots of passions, lots of hobbies, lots of side gigs, what, whatever it is. Um, and I really do know that we can live fulfilled and worthwhile lives in many, many different configurations. So I'm always saying to people, there's, I don't think that there's a one size fits all solution here. Uh, we're all wired differently. And so we need to be careful what we copy. We need to really put our lives together intentionally so that they work, um, so that we feel good about who, who we're being and what we get to do in the day. 
Yeah, for sure. I do love how you mentioned this idea of a work-life blend instead of a balance because I feel like when we hear about this idea of work-life balance, we think that both have to be equal and sometimes that doesn't feel authentic to us to have like the same amount of work combined with the same amount of personal life. So I think it's really great that you're talking about what feels what what is what you want what what do you want to do with like your work and your personal life so that's really important yeah yeah and you know even if if I take myself as an example there's been times when you know I was working super long hours when I worked um and in an academic medical center and then I cut back purposefully for a while when I had a young child at home and now that he's off doing his own thing I'm extending my work hours somewhat because I can and because I enjoy what I do, right? So I think there's also different blends at different phases in our lives. Yeah. So do you think that this sort of process is something that you're always going to be evolving? You're always going to be thinking about how you can shift your work-life blend as you get older, as, you know, different aspects of your life change? Absolutely. It's something I think about all the time. Like, is this the blend that that is really serving me right now? And um, if it's not, then asking myself, you know, what needs to be shifted and really taking steps to make that happen. Now, I know I work for myself, so I might have a little bit more flexibility than some people um, because I really am, you know, I'm the CEO, I'm the boss, not as well as being the chief coach, right? So, um, but I think that many times people have a lot more flexibility in terms of how they put together their their lives, then they actually um, uh, reach out and use. So lots of times you don't know if you can have that more ideal situation that you're craving unless you ask. Yeah, for sure. And I'd love to dive into that coaching side of things you just mentioned. Um, and I'd love to know more about True Focus Coaching and how it came about. Sure. So I started True Focus Coaching um, in 2005. And uh so this is before coaching was really a thing, right? So it was just when coaching was becoming very popular. And um, I started it because prior to that, I was working at an academic medical center doing both, um, you know, NIH funded research and also clinical practice in preventative, preventive and behavioral medicine. So I was working with medical patients that had a psychological or behavioral issue related to taking care of themselves. Um, so think about, um, you know, eating, um, chronic pain management, um, physical activity, managing diabetes, all of these things have some sort of behavioral component. Um, plus with a lot of chronic illnesses, there's also, um, you know, a psychological component that goes along with that in terms of managing that illness. So um, I had what I felt like was the dream job, you know, and, and along the way, I met the guy, we had a kid, <laughs> we got married, we did all of that kind of stuff. And um, I had this day where, where I ran from my clinic office to the North 40 in the parking lot to jump into my car, which was like half a mile away because it was a huge medical campus. Um so I jumped in my car and I drove like a crazy woman down the highway to go pick up my kid. And I was late. And I remember saying to the daycare provider, you know, Maria, I'm so sorry I'm late. How much do I owe you? Because she had a policy where you paid a certain amount for every mi- minute that you were late. And she looked me in the eye and she said, you know, Sarah, it's not about the money. I just need you to be here on time. And that's the moment that I realized I was really out of alignment in terms of um, creating a life that was really working for me. So the dream job um, didn't end up end up being the dream life. So um, that's when I started to get really clear about what else, what was next for me. And I always had had in the back of my mind that I would um, run my own business. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, but that's when a colleague said you should think about this thing called coaching. Um, and, um, I started to explore and, um, I got trained. I got really clear about the difference between coaching and psychotherapy, which I think is really important. Um, and then I created my own coaching company and through the years, um, I've just gotten really clear that I love helping 
time challenge smart people figure out how to get the stuff done that they want to get done so they can have the whole life that they want. Amazing. And I noticed you talked about this idea of the dream job isn't the dream life always. So do you think that people should need to sacrifice their personal life in order to have that dream job? Because when we often talk about our careers, we often talk about like attaining this dream job and that's like the ultimate objective. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I really, um, you know, talk about creating a life that um, embraces all of your goals. So sometimes, um, like for me, the dream job was not allowing me to have the time that I wanted to with my husband and my son. And that was very important to me. Um, So I had to go back to the drawing board and say, like, what does that look like now? Um, You know, what, what am I craving now? And how do I set that up for myself? Um, And I think that, again, this is a really individualized um, choice. Some people are super fulfilled working long hours and they love what they do. Um, I I know that um, I loved what I did and I was happy to work long hours. And then when I became a mom, I realized, you know, this is not compatible with the kind of mom that I wanted to be. I just wanted to be more present with my kid. Um, And... Uh, with that, with this, with that said, I also want to say it was really clear to me that I'm a better mom when I'm working, right? So I never stepped away from my work altogether. There's part of my work that really fuels me and allows me to be the mom, the best mom that I can be, and the best partner for my husband, you know, the best friend, the best family member, all of those kinds of things. Um, so I got really clear that that I wasn't going to step away from work altogether. I was just going to shift back a little bit and so that I could do the other things I wanted to do and and be present and be the mom I wanted to be. So I think for many people, again, it's a really individualized um, choice here. And you have to really dig deep and get clear, um, you know, and really what is the reality of that dream job? Sometimes when we lean into the reality, it's, it's not as much fun as it looks like you know, um, on the meme or whatever on the social media. Um, so, um, I think we all have to ask ourselves this question, um, very, very closely and, and take a look and also notice what it feels like. Cause sometimes you think like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. I want to do that. And then you're doing it eight, 10 hours a day. And you think this is horrible. I hate this. Right. So you have to customize. Um, but, I really, in terms of the the work-life blend piece, um, one of the things that I see that happens all the time with my clients is that they end up focusing more on their career goals and they forget to ask themselves about the other things that they want outside of their career. So if you're only targeting your career, you then can't also bring in these other things, right? So if you don't have goals or a picture of what you want to have happening, outside of work, then it's really easy just to get focused on the work stuff and forget about the other stuff. So, you know, when I talk with people about what their meaningful goals are, I talk about what are the goals that guide you in having the whole life that you want. Certainly there's a bunch in there related to work for most people, but let's not forget the other pieces because that's when people start to feel isolated and dissatisfied when they're working all the time, or they've forgotten to say, you know, I really like working long hours, but I want to make sure that I'm intentional about the little time I have outside of work and I'm really using it in ways that work better for me and that are most important for me. Yeah, for sure. And I'd love to dive more into that work-life balance as well, the further we get into our chat today. But before that, we've got a section that we call, Have You Met Sarah? So here, I'd just love to ask you some more little personal questions that are just fun and get to know you a bit better. So my first one for you is, do you have a favorite book or anything that you're reading at the moment? Well, I'm always reading something. So there's always a book on my Kindle and maybe a couple on my bedside table and my desk. Um, my favorite books are by an author named Barbara Kingsolver. She's just a, a fabulous writer of fiction. Um, and um, But what I will say is that I also belong to a book club. So I get to read like 
like we pick things that I never would pick because I like to explore different people's perspectives. Um, so I will say I always have a fiction book going and then I often have some business um, books uh, that are either educating me on um, the coaching field or um, business ownership or fueling my own self and making sure that I'm learning all the things I need to learn. Yeah, beautiful. And do you find that you're more into nonfiction than you are fiction? You know, it's interesting. I do a lot of thinking about nonfiction and thinking about um, how I help my clients change their behavior and become who they want to be during the day. So I really crave nonfiction when I'm not working. (laughs) Yeah. It's that balance for me to like sort of get out of my own head, get out of my own work. Um, and give myself some some downtime. Yeah, totally. I feel like fiction is just such a great escape. And I guess that's what it's there for as well, just to totally take your mind off everything onto something that probably could never happen in real life. But it's cool that it happens in a book. Yeah, I think it's also a great way just to, um, you know, let your brain work in different ways um, than it does, you know, during your your job or or whenever you spend your other time doing. Um, and I also love, um, I love stories that, um, help me think about things from a different perspective. Um, so I just actually just finished a book called Happiness Falls. That's about, um, it's about a, a nonverbal special needs, um, young man and his family during the pandemic. And, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of suspense. There's a lot of the, the father goes missing. There's a lot of great story, but, but, you know, in terms of keeping you riveted, um, but it also helps, helps you see things from so many different perspectives, whether it's from, you know, a nonverbal special needs person or, um, you know, college students during the pandemic or their parents trying to manage all of it. So it just, it, it, um, I love stories that, that help me really land in somebody else's mind for a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the pandemic was totally tragic, but I feel like it's created this entirely new genre of books because there's this whole new period to cover so many different stories to tell perspectives we've never heard from before. And I feel like it's just so interesting how it's contributed to, you know, books and reading in general. Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, my next one for you is movies. Do you have a favorite movie at all? I have to say my favorite movie is probably Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Now it's been out for a really long time, so there might be a whole bunch of people that don't know about that. Um, but it's it's epic, it's sweeping, it's beautiful cinematography um you know there's a little there's a little like magic and ninja fighting and all of that kind of stuff (laughs) in there um which which i really really love um and um i but what i will say is i watch a ton of different movies because my son is an actor so um whenever he's around there's always you know um he's always watching something again that i wouldn't pick myself but helps me see things from a different perspective and you know, he he likes to uh, think about how the actors are portraying things and also, you know, how the, the movie was put together in general. Yeah, amazing. Has he been in anything recently? No, he's just finishing up his uh, college degree. So um, he will be officially on the, lo- the job market uh, in January. Um, and uh, so I'll, you know, stay tuned. That's so exciting. Well, I hope everything goes really well for him. Um, Moving on to my next one, podcast. I know we talked before and you said that you've done a lot of podcasts before, but do you listen to many yourself? I do. Um, And um, so there's a couple that I come back to um, often. One is uh, Brene Brown's podcast. She's got a couple different ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. She does. I I love listening to her um, because she dot first of all she's a bit of a psychologist she's a social psychologist so um you know a little bit of a theme there um and uh she just does a really good job of talking about emotions and and interviewing people in a way that allows them to really talk about you know concrete actions um to take 
And so, so she's on the more serious side. And then I love Conan O'Brien's podcast on the, uh, the less serious side. He's hysterical and it's really, really fun to listen to the in-depth interviews that he does with people when he gets to talk to people for like an hour instead of whatever, four minutes when he used to have his TV show. Yeah. I personally never used to be much of a fan of podcasts, but then I got into true crime and I just realized how interesting it is, <laughs> like sitting there listening to people like unpack all these interesting topics. And I was like, oh, it might be just boring listening to people talk, but it's actually so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Have you, have you watched um, Only Murders in the Building? No, I've religiously just listened to this podcast called Red Handed done by these two UK women, but that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a, well, it's actually a TV show about um, people that are into true crime podcasts and they decide to start their own true crime podcast about oh. only workers in the building. Yeah, it's very, it's it's good. It's good. Yeah, oh, okay. Really you should check it out. I think you would love it. You'd get a kick out of it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I love asking these questions because I always get like the best like movie and podcast recommendations. And I've just got this like massive list now of all these different things I need to get through, but I will be adding that one to my list. So thank you. Um, perfect. So my last one for you is, do you have a famous role model or maybe just anyone in your life in general that you find inspiring? Yeah, it's so interesting. I find so many different people inspiring for so many different ways. But I think the one um, the one that really comes to mind for me is Oprah Winfrey, um, just because she has created um, created so much in her life and um, come from so many different difficult circumstances and just seems to be able to stay on top of things and in the game no matter what she's doing. Yeah, I feel like that's so beautiful. And she also talks to so many inspirational people herself. And she's, she does. Yeah. yeah, she's got this like wealth of knowledge. And I feel like, it, yeah, she's so interesting as an individual. So that's a lovely pick. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I'd love to jump right into our interview questions now. So my first one for you is what in your personal opinion do you think time management means? Yeah. So time management to me means being able to manage your time and your tasks in a way that works for you, that allows you to get the most meaningful and important stuff in in your day. Right. So I think um, it's about getting clear about what is important to you and then figuring out how to sequence that flow in your day so that you do that. Um, time's a non-renewable resource. And it's really important to think about it that way. We don't get time back. You know, you can make more money, um, but you can't make more time. Yeah. So it's really important to ask yourself as you go through the day and then as you're planning out your week and as you're thinking about the things you want to accomplish, what's most important to me here and why am I doing this stuff? Um, and how do I use this uh, resource that's non-renewable in the best way for me today? Yeah, for sure. And along the lines of, you know, time management being really important in our fast-paced world, do you think that it's become even more important because we're living in such a hectic society where we're all trying to do multiple different things at the same time? Yeah, I do, because there's so many things that steal our time from us, right? Yeah. So um, there's so many time wasters. There's so many time robbers. Um, there's so many things that pull our attention, that feel urgent, that feel important, but but really aren't. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important to take a moment and ask yourself, how did I spend the last day? How did I spend the last week? Um, if I was going to do that intentionally, would I have chosen that? Right? Um, because I think that it's really easy to spend, you know, to spend time scrolling on social media or deep diving into the news because we have this 24-7 news cycle now. And there's horrible things going on. We need to pay attention to that. But we don't need an update every four minutes. Right? 
Yeah. So um, there's so much nonstop communication that I feel like we need to get really clear on what what is important information for us to to take in and be clear with ourselves about that and not just let ourselves be bombarded. Yeah, for sure. And I guess time management is undeniably linked to productivity. Um, But how do you think managing your time increases your productivity? Yeah, so because it helps you get clear on how you're spending your minutes, right? So productivity to me is spending time doing the things that are meaningful and important to you. Yeah. Right. That's that's usually what when I ask people, um, what are you doing when you're being productive? They usually say things like, um, you know, working with my clients, um, doing the work that is important during the day, fill in the blank for what that whatever that is for you. You know, if it's a lawyer, it might be, you know, working on a brief. It might be being at a client, being in client meetings. It might be being in court. If you're, um, you know, a social media expert, you're going to have different things that are meaningful and important to you. Um, But the most important thing is that you're really clear about what do you want to accomplish and then how are you going to actually set the structure in place? And it can be a very flexible structure because lots of times when I talk about this and people are like, structure, no, I don't want structure. Um, Structure leads to freedom but you need the right kind of structure and it often needs to be pretty flexible and flowing in order for you to really use your time well, given the fast pace of how many industries are moving and how many people's days go. Um, But I think it's really, really important to think about um, productivity is being productive, you want to ask yourself, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What am I doing when I'm productive? And then the time management piece is about creating that that time map for yourself, right? So that you know, if I spend my time in this way, according to this plan, then I'm going to be doing the most meaningful and important stuff. I'm not going to get pulled into the things that feel like a time waster or feel like a time robber or just have nothing to do with me. But, you know, somebody called me or texted me or messaged me and all of a sudden I'm in it. Right. Yeah. And I guess like people tend to jump the gun, right? When it comes to time management and productivity, they're like, I want to be productive. Let's just go straight to being productive when they don't really have like a clear idea of what that is. Like you said, people need to find what's important to them, like what they want to be doing. So I guess my question for you is how do we even go about finding what's important to us and then approaching productivity and time management? Yeah. So so as I work with people, what typically happens is that people come in saying, oh my God, Sarah, I can't think about long-term planning. I can't think about what's really important um, because there's so much going on right now. So what seems to happen and what seems to work best is that first we need to put in into play some tools that help you get sort of today and tomorrow handled so that you're not feeling like you're constantly running on this treadmill so that then you can create some space to be thinking about what's meaningful and important. So it's not a one and done. And um, so so the first thing is start to look at what's on your to-do list, right? Which is a, it's a time management tool that we all need to use. I don't care if it's handwritten. I don't care if it's a fancy app. I just care that it's in one place not in 18 different places all over the office and in your car and at home. (laughs) One place. And um, that you get stuff out of your head so that you can look at it and be more strategic about it. Our brains can either be um, list keepers or can do the big thinking that our frontal lobes were developed to, to do, right? So if you want to be able to do that big picture thinking, you've got to get stuff down and out of your head in some way and then start to take a look and say, really, what is important here? And what when I do what things what things on this list are productive? Right. So um, at a minimum, we need to start with some sort of a to do list 
triage list, something like that, right? And then we also need a calendar or some way to map out time for ourselves. Now, lots of people use the calendar as like a place I chuck my to-dos or a place I, I only put appointments, right? What I find is most helpful for people is to think about it as a time map, right? So what is the highest use of my time today? And how am I going to sequence that? And you can, you know, put some time blocks in there. Also give yourself some space for wild cards or things that are just going to happen so that you're not packing yourself too tightly. I call this a flexible template for your week. And the reason why I don't use the term time blocking is because what I find most people do when they're time blocking is they cram in everything that they think they're supposed to do and it's unrealistic. And then they, as soon as they're off course, they just chuck the whole plan out the window. Um, and that doesn't work because you just end up doing whatever you're doing and you're not mindful, you're not conscious, you're not planning that, that best use of your time during the day. Yeah. And would you be able to give us maybe some tangible examples of benefits that individuals can experience when they decide to sit down, see what's important to them and then work from there? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when you start doing that is number one, um, you're going to shift your activities towards those things that are, are more most important to you. Um, it might be a, a project at work. It might be a goal that you have personally. Um, so when you start to do that and you start to get things down on a list and say, which ones of these things are really most important and moving things forward for me, you're going to move further faster on those most important things. Um, and then you're also going to start to notice when you're wasting time and you don't even know you're wasting time. Okay. It's and this is one of those things that when you start to say, how am I using my time in productive ways? Um, then you start to also notice the opposite of that. When am I unproductive? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And sometimes it's because we're honestly distracted by things happening around us. Sometimes it's because we're exhausted and we can't think straight anymore and we really need to stop doing what we're doing. Um, but I think it's really important to just start asking yourself the question, is this, what does productivity look like for me? How will I know I'm productive? Um, usually at work, there's some sort of goal, some sort of target, some sort of, um, you know, agreed upon, um, activities that add up to productivity. Um, but sometimes we don't know, and we have to ask our um, our managers, we have to manage up a little bit and say, Hey, I've got all this stuff on my plate, which is the most important stuff, which is going to, what is the stuff that's going to move the needle on the business goals in terms of the priorities of the company? Um, and I'm, I'm constantly doing that, you know, in, in my own day. And then on, on the non-work side, um, you know, you want to ask yourself, what are those most important things that I need to get in, that I want to get in, that I crave? Um, so is it time with family or friends? Is it, I was talking to a client today and he was like, I just want to have dinner with my kid three nights a week, right? So, all right, how does that fit in? How do you have the, how do you do all of the other things and make sure you're at the table with your kid three days a week? Um, and, you know, be the amazing executive that you are. Um, but that's a good example of something that's really customized, right? Yeah. And and really clear. Um, I often will hear to people hear from people like there's all this stuff that I'm not getting to the important stuff. Well, write down what the important stuff is. What what is that? And then ask yourself what would happen if I did this stuff first and then worked some of the other stuff around it. Yeah, for sure. And like the more that you've talked about this, the more I'm starting to see that idea of that work-life blend coming to life, I guess, and seeing what that looks like. And it's really, I guess, about having a discussion with yourself and seeing how those two different aspects, your personal life and work fit together. Now, the more that we've talked about this, the more I realize that there must be some like inherent challenges to doing this. So what are some of the common challenges that people might face when it comes to time management and going through this process? 
Yeah. So it, challenges tend to fall into four four different categories. Yeah. Um, first one is just having control over your time, right? And um, it's important to exercise control of your time when you can and noticing that you can exercise control of your time sometimes. Now, some people really don't have a lot of control over their time, and that's also important to notice. If you don't have a lot of control over your time because you're, um, you know, in a workplace or, um, you know, doing an activity that is really locked in time for whatever reason, then just notice that. Be clear. Nope, I don't have control over this time. I'm going with whatever this plan is. And then let me be clear about when I can control time. Um, and also, I think it's also important to notice how you process time, right? So some of us notice time as like, oh, I know time is passing and others feel like time is right now or sometime in the future, right? There's like, they don't feel the gradations very much. Um, and then there's the state of flow, which is the state where we're really engaged in something that we enjoy and um, is a little bit challenging and time disappears, right? Um, and that is actually can be a very productive state. So you have to really get clear about how are you noticing that time is passing and how do you put some guardrails on there? So that first one, control over time is really important. The other one is mechanics and planning. So some of us just weren't taught how to plan. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just yeah. means you need to learn something. Um, and, um, also what might the mechanics of time management look like? And I already talked about two mechanical things, a to-do list and a calendar. And then there's some other pieces that are just, um, actions that you need to take. Like you need a weekly planning process. You need a daily planning process. You need to think about how routines and environment support what you're doing. So, um, there's a bunch of people that just, we're never taught the mechanics um, or how, uh, the nuts and bolts about how to do this and also what the planning, what planning actually looks like and how to do it effectively. So that's, that's just learn and learn in a way that works for your brain. Um, because sometimes uh, I will often, I hear from, from people, you know, I've read that book, I've read that other book, I've read all the books. None of them seem to work with how I think, right? Yeah. So it's really important. And that's one of the things that I spend time with people on. Like, okay, if you, you know, if you're a super visual person, you're going to have a different um, to-do list system, a different filing system even than somebody who isn't, you know, isn't that visual. Um, so you want to customize those things. And then the other, um, the other common challenges I see are, um, really get getting clear about what are your goals right um and making sure that you're prioritizing your activities relating to those goals right so there's a bunch of stuff around goal setting and prioritization um so so sometimes it's really easy to have goals but then you don't prioritize them so you never reach them and then you feel like you're not getting anywhere so it's important to think about those things and then the last one is procrastination and overwhelm and other emotions that get in the way of us doing the things that we know we can and shouldn't be doing right now. Um, and that's an emotional process that a lot of people don't think about that gets in their way of their productivity. Yeah. And along the lines of procrastination, I feel like that's such an important point because I don't know about anyone else, but I am the biggest procrastinator. And I feel like I always want to be so productive, but then I get to that point of being like, oh, I'll just push that aside and eventually it'll get done. So for people wanting to be more productive, manage their time better, how can they deal with procrastination? Yeah. So the first thing to notice is, you know, what, first of all, what are you procrastinating? Um, right. And also what triggers the procrastination? So um, procrastination is simply delaying something that you know you can and should be doing. Right. Yeah. Now, sometimes delaying things is actually um, a really important time management strategy. So you want to make sure that you're actually procrastinating, that you're not delaying on purpose. Right. So if you're delaying on purpose, don't call that procrastination. Don't beat yourself up. Um, that's okay. Just notice 
that you're doing it on purpose because you're you're using that time in service of something else that's more important in the moment, right? Yeah. Now, the thing that happens with procrastination is that we often, it's usually prompted by some sort of emotion, right? And for many people, it's the sense of being overwhelmed. Um, it might be I need to avoid something. It might be I'm afraid of something. It might be that um, I just can't think straight and I don't know how to do that thing right now. Um, but there's always an emotion that prompts the procrastination. For most people, it's overwhelmed. And that's that feeling of like deer caught in headlights. Like I just can't think straight. Um, I don't know what to do here. And there's so many things happening. I'm just going to go do something else because I can't make a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the overwhelm is this emotion that prompts procrastination, right? I'm overwhelmed, so I'm going to procrastinate. And then it becomes this negative spiral where we get more overwhelmed because we've procrastinated. And then we procrastinate more. And it keeps us in this place where we just feel bad um, yeah. and and makes it hard to to move out of. The other thing that happens is that procrastination can become a very specific behavior in response to certain things that need to get done. Um, so the example I like to give, at least in the U.S., you can tell me if this plays well over on your side of the world, is um, taxes. So in the U.S., taxes are due on April 15th. They just are. And maybe it's a day earlier, maybe it's a day later, depending on the calendar that year. But you, everybody, all adults in the U.S. know, know that taxes are due on April 15th. Now, lots of people pretend that that doesn't happen or or like they wake up in the <laughs> beginning of March or April and go, oh, my God, I have to do my taxes. Right. Well, they've known since last year that it was coming. Yeah. Um, but we tend to have habits about how we handle that activity. Um so it's, that's an example that, that um, you know, I think uh, you can extrapolate to your own situation is there's something that's always like, oh, my gosh, it's I turn the calendar and it's, oh, it's the beginning of the year. I'm supposed to be doing whatever at the beginning of the year. Right. So it becomes this habit of it's just how I handle this particular situation and I avoid and then I only know how to do it in this one way where. I'm overwhelmed and I'm feeling bad about it. And then I finally am able to get started on it. And then usually people just overwork until it's completed. And that feels horrible, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so with procrastination, it's really important to start to recognize what's what's overwhelming you, right? Get clear on those things. And sometimes you can just look at your to-do list and go, oh, it's that thing that I've written down over and over and over again, right? That's the thing I'm avoiding. That's the thing I'm procrastinating on. Um, and then you want to get really clear about what is, why, what's the emotion? Why are you, what are you afraid of? Right. What is the true fear? What are you saying inside your head? And you want to write that down and get really clear about it and then create a positive conversation that's consistent with productivity. Um, which makes it a huge difference. So then you can start to say to yourself instead of, oh my God, I can't do that thing, right? Which is often the conversation. I can't do it. Um, then you can start to say, oh, I can do it in this way. It's, I, I can do it. Once I get started, I do fine. Or whatever your positive statement is. So um, really important to start to think about that. And then once you identify the situations that you're likely to procrastinate, then you want to deconstruct it a little bit and set up your environment and your routines to help you stay on top of those things. Yeah. Right? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I guess the taxing does come into play here, I guess. We've got tax return and we know about it for months and then we delay it and then it gets to that point where we're like, okay, we actually have to do this because if we don't, there will be consequences. So I guess procrastination is so huge and there are so many different elements I guess that we've talked about now so there's procrastination noticing what makes you feel overwhelmed and then also identifying what's important to you so with those in mind I'd love to transition into our practice and habits debrief section so where we can just talk about a practice that you recommend we use to improve our time management so is there anything in particular that you would recommend 
Yeah. Um, so I've already talked about, you know, some things like getting a to do using a to do list, having it be in one place, like one pad of paper, yeah. um, getting things out of your head regularly, using a calendar, planning daily, um, planning weekly and doing some of those things. But I think that the higher level move that helps many, many of my clients is this skill that I call practice the pause. And um it's very simple, but, and it's really powerful. So it's so simple that lots of people can be like, yeah, whatever, I've heard that before, or that makes sense, but not actually practice it. So it, it goes like this. It only takes about a minute, right? So you, anybody can do this pretty much anytime. You're going to pause and then you're going to get yourself grounded, right? Which means you're going to bring your attention to your breath for a moment. You might feel your feet on the floor. You might actually, you know, close your eyelids and see the colors on the inside of your eyelids. Whatever helps you get grounded and present in your body. And then you're going to ask yourself, what was I doing before I paused? And then you're going to ask yourself, What's the most meaningful use of my time right now? And then you're going to ask yourself to make a choice about what you want to move into. Okay. So what it does is it helps break up those automatic habits that you know, I like to call it the behavioral treadmill where you sort of like start your day and then all of a sudden it's done and you're not really sure what you've been doing, right? It just is sort of automatic pilot. It helps break up those automatic pilot moments and give you back that choice and helps you steer your day moment to moment, particularly when you're starting to feel overwhelmed or frazzled. Yeah. So, and it only takes about a minute to do. Yeah, I actually, I love that because I feel like, I'm not sure if you have these moments, but sometimes you're so busy and you have to start doing all these things and you totally forget about what you've been thinking about. And then you come back after like a few hours, a couple hours, and then you're like, oh, there was this thing I was thinking about before. It's not really as important now. And I feel like I've got perspective on that, but I feel like with this technique, you can do it in just under a minute, which is great. Yeah, and um, and it's it's important to practice it um, when you're not in a stressful situation to start out with. Yeah. So you really just, you want to practice it regularly, you know, at least once a day at a particular time, just to remind yourself so that you develop the skill. And then as, as it's more automatic to you, then you can start to use it during your day when you're starting to feel more frazzled or when things are busier. Um, but, but it's a really, really helpful skill. And, you know, my clients, um, that are in my, um, you know, intensive programs, we always come back to this as like this, it seems so simple, but it's really an advanced move, but it's something that you can start to use daily and it allows you just to pause and reset, pause and reset throughout the day. Yeah, for sure. And how has using this technique helped improve your perspective on productivity? Yeah. So I think what it does is it helps me again, get centered and ask myself that question that's so critical about, is this the best use of my time right now? What do I yeah. really want to be doing? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the biggest issue is is not that we don't want to be productive usually, it's that we distract ourselves, right? So it it helps me catch myself when I'm distracting myself with something that's not really what I need to be attending to. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Well, I'm so glad we talked about that because I feel like there can be all these different techniques we can use that are so complex. And I feel like sometimes it just puts people off from wanting to do it because it's like, oh, I've got all these things happening and now I've got this technique to use, but it's so hard to do that maybe I'll just procrastinate. I'll push it aside and maybe I'll come back to it. But this is so simple. And I feel like it's something that I'm personally going to try as well. Well, great. And and um, I have a quick um, handout on my website that's free for people you can grab um, if you go to truefocuscoaching.com um, and you'll see under resources you'll see practice the pause 
you can click it there. It's a one pager. We actually have an audio that you can download and save on your phone or whatever your favorite device is and just listen to it for one minute when you need to pause. There's also one with a brief um, video if you do better having, you know, a quiet image in front of you to help you get focused. So again, that's at truefocuscoaching.com. And if you go to the resources tab, you'll see practice the pause. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I, yeah, so I'd love to get into our questions from the audience here. Now, we've already discussed quite a bit, but there are some aspects that I don't think we've touched on, like the component of technology. So with the prevalence of all these digital technologies we have, how can we balance leveraging technology for productivity and avoid wasting time? It's such a complex question, but I think that, um, I think the most important thing is, you know, are you using, um, are you using the electronics, right? Are you to help you do things more effectively or are, is it actually slowing you down? Right. So, you know, right now there's a whole big buzz around the world everywhere about AI. And is, is that making yeah. us more effective? Is that going to be more effective? Um, how can we use it more effectively? And I think my question is always, well, how will you use something more effectively and how will you know you're using it more effectively? So, you know, if, if AI can help you um, because uh, you can get it to write a first draft of that marketing email and that you're then going to tweak and it gives you something to bounce off of, which saves you a lot of time, um, then that's awesome. That's a great use of technology. Um, I think technology slows us down sometimes because we actually have too much technology in a process that only needs a little bit of technology, right? So we're in and out of way too many apps, um, way too many times during the day, and it causes us to distract ourselves. Uh, um, it causes us to spend a lot of time maintaining the technology instead of actually doing the work or doing the thing that we want to be doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So I was talking. I was talking to a client recently who's a realtor and. Um, you know, she's got a, a content or a customer relations management system, and um, she's got um, a lot of other resources coming in. And she just said, she said to me, I'm going to get this other app to do this other thing. And I was like, wait, before you do that, look at this other piece of technology you have. See if your customer's relationship management system has something like that in there already right? Just add it there instead of getting another app that's going to summarize the numbers over here that you have to do double data entry, right? So I think it, it is about asking yourself, what are the systems I've put in place? Are they still effective? Usually we put systems in a place in place because they become, because we want to be more effective. But sometimes over time, that system morphs and the technology is actually, we're spending more time feeding the technology than we are having the technology and getting something useful done for us. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I feel like when we use AI, for example, something like ChatGPT, we think it's there, you know, obviously it helps make life a bit easier sometimes, but we spend so much time giving it all the tools it needs to give us the perfect answer. And sometimes I guess we waste time doing that. So I feel like it is important to identify what digital tools actually help maximize your productivity and your time as well. So I feel like that's such a good point you brought up. Yeah. Yeah. So people are always saying to me, Sarah, what's your favorite productivity app? And, and, you know, my answer is I don't have one. You probably have an app on your phone or on your computer that will help you with that thing that you feel like you need help with. So start with that first system you already know. And then if you don't find it, then start to, you know, do some research. But the thing that can happen is it's, it's a lot more fun to research the apps than to actually use them. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, that could be a huge time waster and time robber, right? <laughs> you want to find a tool that's going to help you. And then the hardest part is actually using it and having that be part of your habits. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Literally the other day I was, I spent a good like 15, 20 minutes Googling all these different meditation apps because I was like, you know what, let's get into meditation. Found the perfect app af after a while, looked at reviews, all of that, downloaded it, used it once. I have not touched it since. 
like it like it's crazy how that happens sometimes so you do waste time doing that whole research process just to end up not using it yeah and sometimes we you know we do that because we have a love of learning and it's like interesting stuff and we want to we do want to compare we do want to find the right thing but then we spend three hours doing that and you know we don't meditate or we don't um you know we, we don't actually use that thing and it, it that's just one example of you know I, i'm sure people are thinking of anybody listening when's the last time you did that you spent three hours researching something <laughs> actually use it right yeah <laughs> right that's a big time waster that's a big time robber right but it feels um, really productive it, right so that's a yeah. good example we have feels really productive but probably isn't probably yeah, for isn't. sure you yeah. could have spent two minutes picked pick the highest ranking app or the second one down just if you wanted to try something different and had the same results but saved yourself how much time right yeah exactly yeah I feel like that's such a good point and yeah like when I downloaded that app I felt so accomplished I was like finally I found something that's great it's got a one-year free trial as well like this is amazing and then you realize that maybe it's not the actual right tool for you in order to achieve what you want. Like for me personally, I don't feel like apps to help me be more productive help. I like finding my own little way of doing things. Like I use my notes app, something that's already on my phone, something I see every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to say, that's a really robust little app. I have lots of people that manage very sophisticated to-do lists with that notes app. So yeah. Again, it's what is the tool that you're going to use regularly and that is available to you. Um, I also have have clients that they're like, I have all the apps. I don't use them. I just write stuff down. Right. So honor that if you're more. I don't care if you handwrite your to do list. Yeah. Just make sure that you have something that you're going to use that you keep with you all the time. So that is always available. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons why people like technology, because it's it's small, it's light, it's it's on your phone. Um, but if you're not going to use it regularly, then stick with the pen and paper. It's just as good. Yeah, I love it. I feel like in this digital age, we're always like, oh, pen and paper, that's so outdated. We've got all these cool, complex things. I should be using those because they're clearly supposed to be better. But I feel like sometimes it's the simple things that can just get the job done for us. Absolutely. And, you know, I myself have a hybrid system. So my to-do list my personal to-do list tends to be handwritten because that's just how I roll, right? That's what yeah. works for me. It helps me think when I'm writing. Um, I have um, my calendar is um, electronic. That way my team and my family, we can, you know, we can sync things up that way very easily. And then I have a, um, a project management system that I use to help manage, you know, different projects and team members in, in my company so that we all are on the same page because um, I run a virtual team. You know, we don't we don't run into each other at the water cooler, but we run into each other, you know, in in the um, product management app, right? So, <laughs> product management app, yeah. I love that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, my next question for you is: multitasking or single tasking? Which one actually boosts productivity? <laughs> I love this question. So, first of all, there's really no such thing as multitasking. If you're multitasking, what you're doing is you're switching frequently. You're switching fast, right? So you're going from one activity, you're loading all the information related to that that activity. You're doing it for a, a few minutes and then you have to switch into something else, which means you have to get rid of all that information that's in your head and you have to load in something else and you have to then hold that and then you switch back to something else, <laughs> right? I mean, it makes me tired just thinking about it, right? Yeah. So the reality is that it's exhausting for your brain, even if you have a fast moving brain, right? I know there's somebody who said, who's like, no, Sarah, my brain can do that. Okay. When they do studies with people that think they're multitasking and being more productive, they're not. It's really yeah. warm and clear. So um, the thing to do though, is to notice how long do you need to stay in a particular activity to actually move it forward so you feel like you've done some significant work on it? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's helpful to have something that you kind of bounce off of and go back to. Yeah. Okay. So if you do need to switch, I would say pick two things, not 87, right? <laughs> or it's five or six or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So if you do find that you have a brain that needs to bounce, 
then bounce between two things. It's easier to keep those things close by in your mind, and you're going to move those two things further faster because, you know, I, I always liken this to multitasking, to taking a teaspoonful of water out of 10 five-gallon buckets, right? So if you're taking a teaspoon of water out of each of the 10 buckets, it's going to take you forever to empty those buckets, right? Yeah. And you're going to be blooming exhausted because you're running around from bucket to bucket with a teaspoon. (laughs) Yeah. So this is what happens when people tell me they're multitasking. Most of the time, they're just chipping away at small little things that actually aren't moving the needle forward. They're not emptying any buckets. So that's why they don't get to feel good about accomplishing something. And it is why we end up at the end of the day exhausted, feeling like we've been busy all day, but we don't know what we've actually done. Right? We haven't produced anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my take on multitasking. Um, get Pick one thing. Work on it. As long as you can have an attention span for that thing. And then switch. As much as you can. Yeah. I love that. that. Yeah. I feel like personally, that's something I needed to hear because I always like like to say that I'm a multitasker. I do that. And like, it's something to be proud of. But like, while you are multitasking, as I might say, um, you find that you're getting little bits and pieces done. Like you said, the teaspoon in the bucket, like example, like you're really not getting as much done as you think you could be. So I feel like that idea of just picking two things is so useful. And again, we're talking about productivity and time management. So I feel like that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So you get really clear and, and, you know, notice what you're bouncing between and start to ask yourself, can I contain that? Do I really need to do it that way? Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's where the practice, the pause helps. If you, if you find that you're bouncing around a lot, practice the pause. Yeah. Take a deep breath, get yourself grounded and then ask yourself, what do I really want to accomplish right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm literally going to practice a pause right after this because I feel like everything that you've described is literally me. Like I try to multitask. I feel like I never have a moment to like properly think about what I'm thinking about and realize if that's important or if I should just move on to something else. So literally me after this, going to practice a pause, going to try and pick two things, just focus on. Um, But yeah, I feel like that's so beneficial for people who feel like they constantly need to be doing a million things at once, but sometimes slowing down is just really beneficial. Yes. Yes. Slowing down allows you to be clear and focused and, and, you know, you can be clear and focused and moving quickly, but it's a choice, right? It's a choice. It's not um, because we're rushed. It's not because we're, um, reacting and in panic mode right yeah Yeah, for sure perfect well this brings us now to our open mic section I've had so much fun chatting to you about this but I'd love to just give you the entire space the floor the time just to talk about whatever you would like to talk about so yeah the floor is yours well, we've talked about so much. I mean, I have such a passion for helping time challenge um, smart entrepreneurs, professionals. Um, I work with a lot of lawyers. I work with a lot of realtors. I work with a lot of small business owners. Um, really get focused on what's meaningful and important to them and then figure out how to get that stuff done. Um, that, you know, I think there's a couple of things that I think are important for people to think about, you know, first of all, if you're struggling, you're not alone. Um, I feel like a lot of my clients, when they first come talk to me, feel like the one person that didn't get the time management memo. Um, Everybody's struggling with this. It's not you. Um, And so reach out and get support because it's not going to change unless you decide you want to change it. So know that you're not alone Um, and make sure you're setting up systems that work for your brain, your life, your body, and your business. We're all wired differently. We're all humans, but our brains are born with different strengths and weaknesses. And you can set up 
systems that will work for how you think and your whole life. You just need to get some support sometimes to do that and practice using them and to get out of your own sort of reactive panic mode and get clear about what's going to work for you. Um, we can learn to manage our time in different ways. We can become more productive. It takes practice and it's not a one and done. It's not a one and done. It's about changing behavior and that takes practice. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, yeah, we've been talking about all these strategies and things we can be doing on our own to figure this out, but it's so important to emphasize that you can get help in order to be able to do these things. So what a beautiful way to round off today's episode. So thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. I've had such a great time chatting to you about this. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Perfect. Well, for those of us watching who want to find out a bit more about you, where can they go? My website is truefocuscoaching.com. And um, there's a lot of information there. As I mentioned, there's free resources. Um, I often do uh, free webinars if you want a little bit of a deeper dive into a particular topic. Um, we've got a newsletter, um, we've got a blog, there's all sorts of stuff there. And grab your practice, the pause. Remember, go to truefocuscoaching.com and then look under resources and you'll see practice. Perfect. Well, for anyone who missed that, we've also got Sarah's information and all those links down in the description below. So to everyone watching, we'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pp.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.